Good morning and welcome to the Central Baptist. Let you all know that Tottenham are shit. Tottenham Hotspur are shit. Now if you come on down to Highbury, you can see Thierry Henry. He is the best player you will ever see. Thierry, Henry. Now if you come on down to Highbury. Hello and welcome back to From Dale Square to Where. Ryan will be joining us shortly, but at the moment it's Kunjan and I. Kunjan, how are you? Good evening, brother. I'm great. I'm great. Can't 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 complain. Uh, a year <laughs> back, a year back when um, you very kindly offered me to come on the show, I remember the, the the discussions were, "Where do you see this team going? And what do you think we need?" And look at us here, being all spoiled for choice. Like, I don't know. Yeah, we're good. We're sitting on top position. We're we're playing good football. We're beating these little teams like. Tottenham and Liverpool. I mean, well, it's going. Can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What a difference a year makes, eh? Hey? Oh, Unbelievable. It's crazy. it's crazy. And you know, the funny thing was, uh, I was observing, I was observing uh, the Liverpool game. And um, if you think about it, we had only one signing on that pitch, one new signing, because Saliba mm. was on signing. Uh, and the mm. only other signing we made uh, from Marquinhos, um, Materna, Fabio Vieira, Zinchenko, and Jesus was only Jesus. So from the yeah. five signings you made, only one was playing. And you just look at the team and you're like, wait, is this the same team that was playing last year? That is this the same team yeah. that would get rinsed by the Liverpools and, and the Man Cities? And you're like, there's something, there's something happening here. And it's a good feeling. I, I can't complain. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we all have to um, sort of think of, of Saliba as a new signing, but yeah. you're quite right. Obviously, he's not. But yeah. having just come into the team this season, I mean, he has made such a significant difference, and it means that both of our fullbacks are different, basically, because yeah. of him and Zinchenko coming in. Wow, I mean, there's a lot to discuss, and I've titled the show "Lucky, Not Lucky," because yeah. in some ways we had a bit of luck go our way, but right. we weren't lucky to win the game as far as I was concerned anyway I think um, there's a, as I say we'll definitely be going going through it all but I mean let's start off I'm gonna I'm gonna when we start talking about the game I'm going to talk about the three different areas of the pitch and in right. different sort of stages as well but initially I mean your thoughts on the team selection when you saw that Tommy Asa was in ahead of Tierney right because I was I had a period of Two or three seconds, uh, it seemed a lot longer, but of like, oh, wow, you know, in a shock. I could see, I could see the reason for it. And funnily enough, I've heard Clive, who I keep going on about, uh, talking about it two or three weeks before. You know, he he said he, he needs to come in for these types of games. Right. But yeah, it happened. And obviously, in hindsight, I mean, wow, what a performance. But what were your initial thoughts? So, so the funny thing was, no, no. So the funny thing was, I I had a, a sneaky suspicion that either Zinchenko would start um, or Cedric, uh, and then I would have said uh, Tommy Asu. Um, and the thing was, we got a glimpse of it in the Europa League game against uh, Bodo Glint, um, where if you remember, 
he took off KT and Tomiyasu came in, if you remember. Yeah, I do, yeah. So, I mean, we were like, what, 3-0 up or 2-0 up at the time? And uh, as soon as he made that change, I was like, I, I just, I don't know, sneaky suspicion within me was like, is he trying something? And we have seen Tomiyasu play at, at left back. I think it was towards the end of last season. Um when uh, Tavares was not performing and uh, KT was still out injured, um, it was actually Tomiyasu who, who was uh, deputizing at left back. And my God, like even even when I watched him against Liverpool, um, the control he has with both his feet, oh, you have to remind yourself that he's a right back. It wasn't the case of it wasn't a case of he's playing left back well. It was like, oh shit, this guy's a right back. Oh my God, you know. I don't think I've ever seen a more two-footed player other than Santi Gazzola. Santi, uh, you know what the funny thing was? The next words out of my mouth were that the only the only other player before him that I saw with this much control with both feet was Santi. Uh, mm. Because even Santi, like I know there was this whole debate: is he left-footed? Is he right-footed? And uh, the same yeah. thing with Tommy Asu. I was highly and and even like the short passes where he had all the time in the world, he was still playing it with his left foot, and I was like. Man, we have a player here, and we we must keep him happy. I know Ben White yeah. has the position, but protect uh, Tommy Asu with everything we've got. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how often Mikel Arteta reverts to that in the coming games, isn't it? Really, because um, I mean, I, I would I would desperately feel sorry in lots of ways for Kieran Tierney if, yeah, <laughs> if all of a sudden he becomes third choice. I mean, that's just mental. It's um, true, but also I, I think the game, I think the game plan they had was having Tommy Asu playing left back against a Mohamed Salah who's very strong with his left. It just helps the dynamics that every time Salah would want to cut, Tommy Asu mm. was there with a the stronger foot to, you know, like to block the. And, and we saw that, mm. like, um, I think maybe sometime today, if uh, Tommy Asu gets some time, he may release Salah out of his pocket. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't think But so. we saw that. We did see that. And, and the funny thing was on the on the same wing on the other side, um, I think Trent Alexander went for a hot dog, a, a, a subway, a pizza, and every other snack possible, thanks to Gabriel Martinelli. But on to yeah. him later. Sure, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah I know. Madness. Yeah, as like I said, there's a hell of a lot to talk about in this game, yeah. isn't there? For a change. So, yeah. For a change, there's a hell of a lot to talk about and everything's positive. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I, I, I don't... So I've watched the game back as well yeah. because um, I really wanted to sort of take it in again properly without the stress this time. But yeah. I don't know whether it's almost like a, a case of not... I, I don't think it was... A, I think it was part of it, what you said about him playing because he's right-footed against Salah's left-footedness. But I also think, and, and you know, I'm not being derogatory at all to KT because I absolutely I'm love the guy. Say. Yeah. But I, I think we had... Uh, just our best defenders on the pitch as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, and I, d- I don't think they were playing these inverted roles that they w- they've been playing throughout the season at, at the fullbacks. I think it was yeah. just a, a flat back four the more I watched it. Right. And they weren't sort of doing the normal things that they were doing because obviously Liverpool are an excellent side and they were pushing us back at quite a lot, you know, a few stages in the, in the first half, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I just think we were much more of a regular back four at that particular point and for most of the game. Um, but yeah, I just think it was a bit of a masterstroke at the end of the day that um, 
that he started him. And just uh, before we move on, just going to say hello to Ryan, who's joined us. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad yourself, so I'm late. But yeah, thanks for having me on. And yeah, No problem, mate. No problem. Yeah, we're just talking about... Uh, Tommy Asu um, and the sort of the decision to start him really, but it was just a masterstroke, I think. Um, and as, as I watched the game back again, I, you know, I was, I was just saying, just I, I think it was just the fact that we had our four strongest defenders on the pitch. Let's base this. We actually had four centre backs really on the pitch, didn't we? <laughs> it's just that two of them are obviously happening to be playing full backs, um, and it was much more of a regular back four this time, I think than what we've seen earlier on in the season with, you know, the inverted fullback system that he loves to play. But I'm going to start anyway, just talking about the front three. Then we'll talk about the midfielders. Then we can talk about the defence a bit later on. Because I think there's stuff to sort of get our teeth stuck into in all the areas of the pitch. Briefly, we've just been discussing Martinelli. Um, a bit off air, me and Kunjan, and just, you know, just just a bit before you joined us as well, Ryan. I mean, he's not like a young talent anymore. He's a world superstar, yeah, if not already in the making. He's a, just a wonderful, wonderful player. And, and I can't, I'm, I'm sorry to keep repeating myself, but he must be a nightmare to play against. Any footballer must be pulling their hair out in the week leading up to the fact that they know they're going to be facing Gabriel Martinelli. Because... He just does not leave you alone for one second. He's like, <laughs> it's like a dog trying to hump your leg and you're trying to push him off all the time. And he keeps coming back, coming back on. <laughs> he just won't leave. He will not leave you alone. Um, and if he's not doing that, then he's just rinsing past you at 100 miles an hour. Much, much I, just, I just think he was like wonderful. Like your Trent. Twice yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's right. He, he must be. Absolutely having nightmares non-stop about him. I'm going to sort of quick, very quickly give him my two pennies worth on all three of them, but then I'll let you two loose. Gabriel, uh, when I, when he came off, I tweeted, this guy needs a statue already because it wasn't his best performance, funnily enough. Uh, it, it wasn't his most technical performance, but I just think the guy's bravery, on top of everything else we've seen already this year with his skill and talent and everything else that he's been showing us, the guy's bravery and his persistence and his never-say-die attitude and but pushing, you know, jumping into Virgil van Dijk and Alisson and putting his body on the line all the time, it's just been unbelievable. It just sees a different side to him all the time at the moment. Mm. But he's just an excellent, excellent player. I think he had an excellent game without it being his most technically brilliant best. And then, again, just off air, we, me and Kunjam briefly discussing Saka. Kunjam, a bit unsure about the form and whether he had a good game. I mean, I personally think he had another really, really good game. Obviously, he had two goals. But apart from that, I think he just occupies so many other defenders. We, we spent most of our time attacking down the left. Martinelli was most busiest attacking from that side. Jesus dropped to the left quite a lot. Saka at the moment, he's plowing a bit of a lone, lone furrow down that side, especially because Ben White stayed a bit further back, as I mentioned earlier as well. He wasn't up right next to him all the time, helping him. Erdegaard was kept very, very busy in midfield. They were marking Erdegaard out the game really quite well. 
And but he just occupies so many defenders and drags so many defenders away, leaving more space for other players all the time. Um, but he he's still got levels to go up. I'm not going to say he's at his peak at the moment, but he's still got levels to go up. I still think he had a very good game. So I'll come to you first, Ryan, because obviously me and Kunjan have already had a brief conversation. Just give us your thoughts, really, about how you, how the sort of the front three you think they performed on the day. Remember and. Yeah, so go on. No, go go on. on. I was going to say, on the day itself, straight from the off, as you say, <laughs> within a minute, the ball's on the back of the net because of two of the front. I know it was Aziz didn't touch the ball, but he was in part of it as well because he's, like I say about Saka, he draws in players. So, so is Aziz, so is Martinelli, but Aziz, because of what his threat is and what his abilities are off the ball, that that made a, that he played a huge part in Martinelli doing what he did and getting him behind the defence. Yeah, got the two centre backs pairing, focusing. So, is it the thing now? We've got an attacking three as a whole. Just touching it as a whole at the moment, where you don't know as a as a backline in general, you don't know who you're marking because you might be tasked to mark one person, but when the balls when they're coming at you. It's going, to be, it's going to take more than one person. As you say, it drags people out. It's more space than like we saw. Two of them done that. One of them doing it off the ball. It was a net to Martinelli putting the ball in the back of the net. And what I like, what I like is we've got Martinelli, who we every time he gets the ball, every time he run, you get the ball and he'll run at the defence. He plays with that mm. no fear attitude. I've got, I am, I might, um, he might be, he might be the youngest player, this, that, and the other. He might be inexperienced compared to the fullback, but he has no fear. He will run at you. He'll go down to that byline, cut inside, and provide it and, and try and create a, create a goal. If not, have a shot. He's got no, he doesn't he care like, no, what, who he's up against. Doesn't care yeah. who's a shirt on the, name on the shirt on the. No, uh, who he's up, he's up against Prime Cafu. He wouldn't give up monkeys. <laughs> well, you've got on the, other, on the other side on the wing. You got Saka, who. He'll run at you. He has that no fear as well, but he's more, uh, how can I put it, more tactically aware that he can't do that every time without the, the defender cutting it on and making it easier for the defender. So he has more to be more mixed up. Sometimes he'll go at you and sometimes he'll go, stop, bring you in, which then opens more space, pass it, and as we've seen, Vivas. Yeah, it could lead to goals. Either the dump, yeah, the Ben White, Partey, Bang, or when that that first goal, he, he runs, gets draws. He say draws them in, passes it to Odegaard, and then with Zayzus off the ball, drawing in the two centre backs, allowing Zach Martinelli to go around the other side. Odegaard sees that bang, bang, and it's 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 just it's. They all complement each other, but they all bring something to the t- to the table now. Whereas yeah. last year you had Martinelli and Saka, but the person down the middle, majority of the season, have been being Uber and then Naka for the majority of the season until Eddie came on that came along. They didn't offer the same. They didn't offer anything. If we're being brutally honest here about with all due respect to the players that I just mentioned, they didn't really offer anything in that front forward three, which always. It, don't, it didn't just cost us in the end for top four, but it cost us in it cost us in games as well throughout the season. And I've been saying what we're what we are now league wise nine what the nine games that we're in now too. And mm. I've said every even in pre season I was saying even in pre season 
in terms of the front three now, this is what we missed last year. And now yeah, we're, we're and now we're we're bearing the fruits of that. We and we're excited now. We we don't have that one player in the, in anywhere now. We'll, we'll get into it later. The rest of the as you say, the midfield and the defence. But in terms of the attack, we've got we've got no one that we can go. That's going to cause us issues. No, no, definitely not. Couldn't you? And the same thing to you, really. I mean, I, I wouldn't swap our front three for anyone at the moment. Well, no one at all. I, I just think it's right up there. It's, it's just clicking. It's just working. Everyone knows their places. They're all changing um, positions left to right, centrally. It's just wonderful. I, just, I, I can't really find much fault with it. I mean, like I said, maybe Saka can still go up another few, you know, two or three gears and we can wait for that to happen because that that, that will happen. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, it's just working. Um, I, I, I remember when in January we were uh, linked with uh, Vlahovic and I think Ryan and I were discussing off-air uh, that just imagine if we got Vlahovic and there was even like murmurs of like mm. Frankie de Jong and we were like, man, that would be a team and a half. Uh, rumors are suggesting now that Vlaovic is apparently a target. And <coughs> if I'm Vlaovic, I'm watching going, would I even start? Um, there was rumors of, I think, uh, Gakpo uh, this uh, summer, uh, summer window. Again, if I'm Gakpo and I'm watching, I'm like, will I start? Uh, but at the same time, when we talk about Saka, who's he's a phenomenal talent. He's 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 something we're all very proud of. You know, when we talk about the Hayland, uh, there's songs about him, Emil Smith-Rowe. We see what Eddie is doing. I mean, like even the documentary on Arsenal about the Hayland, you, you can see there's something special that is happening. But I do believe every team that is in the Premier League right now that is are considered title contenders or are considered, you know, absolute top four, the one thing in common with all these guys is depth. When you look at the Chelsea squad, however they're performing. Oh my God, that depth. Because you're sitting there going, it's either Mason Mount, it's either Raheem Sterling, they have uh, Havertz, they have Aubameyang, they have, you name it. And like, like they may have about like, I don't know, 611 centre-backs uh, sitting on the bench <laughs> for them, you know? But the point is like, that kind of depth is scary. Right now, if we pick up an injury, God forbid it doesn't. But let's say we, we, we pick up an injury on the right hand side. Do we have a naturally left side, left footed player who could slot into the right hand side and make those runs, make those cuts that Saka does? If Martinelli is injured, his replacement is sitting right now in the medical room. Uh, it's 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 a very bizarre situation to find yourself in. And I think if you look at even the Invincibles, uh, when, when we did uh, win, there's so much depth going around. Our technical director used to sit on the bench to be either a replacement for um, uh, Gilberto or even Patrick Vera, depending on the role that has to be played. This is the kind of... We were spoiled for choice. I, I'm just looking at it right now that the run is phenomenal. We can't ask for more. But this is the time people start dreaming. They're like, is there a possibility? I, I remember mentioning this to you last week that if we win, if we win, there are going to be two things that are going to be said about it. The first is, 
yeah, you won, you were lucky. And the second one was, but you didn't play a full string Liverpool side. Andy Robertson was not there. If possible, if possible, people would say you were lucky that they were missing Sadio Mane. Wait till you go to Anfield and Mane is available. At which point you'll have to clarify to Mr. Pundit there. Um, he's in Bayern Munich, just to let you know. Um, Luis Diaz, like I, I, I have a Liverpool fan over here who says if Diaz was not taken off, we would have easily won. And like this is, I think the the contradiction here will always stay. When we're doing well, there's a reason that we're doing well, and that reason is that others are not doing well. When we're not doing well, that's because Arsenal's shit. I mean, Arsenal doesn't have it in them. They, they're, they're, they're bottlers. And I, I think let's celebrate this. Let's celebrate what every player is doing. And I think each and every... And, and, and the one thing is, like, I think we will touch on this later, but the camaraderie, the unity, every single time there was a goal, they went together, they were huddling up, they were talking to each other. I mean, what more do you want to see in your team? They're connecting with the fans, they're yeah, connecting exactly. with each other, they're connecting with the manager. And this does feel like our Arsenal. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good time to be an Arsenal fan, irrespective of the results that is going to happen at the end of the month, uh, at the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I spoke about it yesterday, but just quickly, did you see, um, you know, at the back, Rob Holding, when he was warming up, you know, when he, he was like instructing, you know, giving everyone praise, encouragement on the sidelines? Did you see that, Kunjan? No, I missed that, but I'm not surprised because yeah, I think wonderful. the nicest, I think the nicest footballer in the English Premier League is Rob Holding, and if we ever <laughs> lose him, it'll break my heart. I, I absolutely love the guy. I absolutely <laughs> no. love the guy. Yeah, no, it's brilliant to see. He was just running up and down the touchline, pretending to warm up, but just geeing everyone up all the time. Mm. It was wonderful, like a a glorified cheerleader. But, uh, yeah, it's great. The camaraderie is amazing. Just, yeah. All he missed was all he was missing was the pom poms. It's great. But he got that. He got that here. Now. <laughs> yeah, his hair's almost like a pom pom. Yeah, exactly. So he's sort of <laughs> just waving it around. <laughs> that's why that that's, that's why he suggested uh, Gabriel to go to his same same guy because yeah <laughs> I know and and Frank Lampard did you see him the other day in the rain mm. oh honestly he's a, yeah I know he, he can't hide it anymore Frank Lampard the fact that he's going bald he's just like oh, tries yeah. tries to hide it with the, like the Bobby Charlton comb over all the time but it's just getting worse and worse it's thinner and thinner every day I see him <laughs> exactly. No, I mean it is a good point that Kunjan makes about the the depth in the front line at the yeah. moment because of mi- missing Smith Rowe because of his uh, operation. I do think uh, Fabio Vieira could be a very good um, stand-in for mm-hmm. Saka. Uh, I don't think he just has to play deeper, like you know when he's covering for Murdergaard, like he's playing in the uh, Europa League. Uh, I think he can play that that front role very very well. Um, the way he, that he plays. Obviously, very left-footed. So, I think we've got a bit less worry there. But, yeah, the left-hand side at the moment is a bit more of a, a concern. Obviously, we, we need we need someone that could ideally play both roles. But the thing is, with this season, right, we've, we mentioned this, obviously, after the, the summer transfer window. But we have only got another four weeks or so, five more games until the season stops. 
and then work can start in earnest to strengthen again in, in January. If there's ever a time to strengthen in January, it's this season more than ever because of the World Cup. I think it's going to be a far, far busier January than we've ever seen before. I would be almost amazed and shocked if we don't go and at least target one or two players. I don't think we finished our shopping in the summer. And I do re- I do think that it was a consideration that the first half of the season before the January transfer window is a lot shorter than normal. Um, so there was no need to just panic and rush to try and get that last one or two in and make a, make a poor choice, for example. I don't think they would do that. So I think they've, they've got this a few extra weeks before Christmas to actually start the ball rolling on, on getting some deals done, whether they can or not because of the World Cup, it remains to be seen. But they have got more time to, to get their heads together and get something sorted out. So that's what I'm hoping for. And obviously the second reason it's so more, much more important for us is that if we can stay top of the league or there or thereabouts when, it's, when the season comes to a, a halt, I mean, there's never going to be a better opportunity for us to to try and mount a serious title challenge. So if we can get one or two more in in January, you've got to do it. Or, you know, bring a couple of of, of those transfer targets forward for next summer to to January. Yeah. You've got to speculate at this particular point. So we'll have to see how it goes uh, when it comes to it. If we we were form, uh, in general, we remain in the top two. If we are first or second come New Year, you, you have to strengthen. Otherwise, yeah. in years gone by, if you don't strengthen, I'm not sure about last season, even under the Wenger year, the, 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 the second half of Wenger's time, the Emirates era, we'd, we'd be in these positions and in title charges and we never strengthened. And it always comes back yeah. a bit on the arse. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And I think hopefully, the, again, the club in general and Arteta being part of, in that as a player, part of that era, would have seen and learned from their mistakes. And hopefully, as you say, anyone we've got, we're looking at for the summer, maybe as you say, if, we're, if we are definitely in a title charge come New Year's Day and onwards, get mm. get your players in, go get them now, because yeah, what, what better opportunity to go? Come look at what we're doing. Look at this is what we're doing now without you. We can. You come in now. We might. We might finish. We might be. If we might even win the title, if if you can come to us now, mm. you, you could yeah, be like final piece. You could be like final piece for us. And how much more? How much more appealing are we as a team now than we yeah. were twelve months ago? No, um, that, for us to join, it's not just. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd be really, really shocked if we don't if we don't do something. To be it's honest with you, like regardless of what happens, who have we go? Who have we gone after? Now? It's not like we can go. As I, say, as I say, if we are still in this top two, either first or second, respectively, in the title charge, come as I say, come uh, the winter window. It's not like we're saying we're in the we're in the race for top four. We're actually in the race for a title against the best team. Well, we're not one of the best team in England, let alone one of the best in Europe. Who, by the way. We have found out tonight if Haaland doesn't play or in the match day squad, they can't score. So we need him. <laughs> <laughs> Is it still nil nil at the moment? Oh, finished. Oh, no. finished nil nil. Oh, it's finished. Yeah, finished. So they can't oh, beat Haaland. We need Haaland to was... get into <laughs> Was someone sent off as well? 
uh, Gomez, I think it was Sergio Gomez. Yeah, Sergio Gomez. And uh, I think Mahrez missed a penalty, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Sounds about yeah, because all I saw on my phone when it popped up saying um, they've had a nightmare first 30 minutes. So I saw, I thought they had someone sent off, but they also missed a penalty in the first 30 minutes. It must have been. So a nightmare. But yeah, but yeah I th- we've got, we've got hope. To... We have hope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, moving on to the midfield, um, I think that first half, Thomas Partey was a lot quieter than he has been for you know quite a while. I think a lot of that was down to the fact that we were playing Liverpool. Um, they have got. A, I mean, their team is obviously one of the best in Europe. I mean, they're in a bit of a, a poor run of very poor run of form for their you know to their standards. But I think Thiago was magnificent in the first half. But I think the second half. Partey just took over again, and I thought he was outstanding in the second half. I thought he was fantastic. I think that they did a good marking job on uh, Erdegaard for the majority of the game. Obviously, not not the first minute. <laughs> it was out with that ball, <coughs> that that pass for that for the first goal. I mean, mm. it couldn't have been better. I mean, if he'd have run up, if, it, if if you've got one of those clickers to pause the game, run up and put the ball somewhere, you know, perfectly for Martinelli to run onto, and then started the game again. It couldn't have been better pass. So, uh, it was wonderful. But I th- And I think he came more to life in the second half as well. But, yeah, we had this period where um, it was a bit difficult, should we say. Um, but I, I do think, in large parts, it was just the fact that Liverpool suddenly got more of a grasp on the game, especially similar to the Tottenham game. When they scored, they had this period after the goal um, where they just started to get growing confidence. And I think that same thing sort of happened to Liverpool. I mean, what, what were your thoughts on that, Ryan? Did you notice specifically anything that was we could have been doing better? Or do you think it was mainly the fact that, you know, the opposition we were up, we were up against? For me, I said it I get up to the watch on my channel. And I said in the stream to Colin and Gary, you know, it was like the team, obviously, were one nil up. And we suddenly realised we're playing in the Liverpool side. Obviously, don't, have done what they've done over the last few years under Klopp. And how can I put it? It was like they showed they suddenly started showing Liverpool the respect they were meriting last season, the previous season, the total winning season, the years gone by. We're showing them too much respect, and that I think that's what let Liverpool back into the game and sort of dictate some tempo for that 15-20 minute period and then we broke away at the and scored at the perfect time because I'll be honest if we'd gone in at one all going on that, that last 20-25 minutes or so where we just decided to show Liverpool the respect of a Liverpool team from the last season years gone by it would have been um, it would have it would have been it would have been disappointed. I would have been disappointed. I would have been frustrated, and I would have been concerned going into the second half. But us getting that goal, the one we did, lightened the mood, and it changed the game completely. It changed the team halftime team talk, and we came out a different animal in the second half. 
because we had the bit between our teeth now. We had something to protect, but also go and get the go and kill the game off. If it's one all, they they could possibly go. You know what? They're vulnerable. Da 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 da. They're showing us respect. We're gonna put them put them in their place once and for all. So in one in one respect, yeah. The, the, for me, it was more that we showed them that just too much respect for what they've what they've achieved over the last five or six years under Klopp. That we suddenly realised once we went once we went two one up at half time, Arteta got into them at half time clearly, and we suddenly came out a better team in the second half. The we put the performance in in the second half that we should have done for, for the first half basically, what we started off doing. And in the end, we we uh, got the points, but it's just as I say, we just, it just for me. You guys might disagree, but it just seemed that we was just showing them too much respect for me. It wasn't in the ter- in terms of it's just it's just like it's just like it dawned on certain players that oh, this isn't just Salah, that so and so, look what they've done. We're just the old Arsenal again and things like that. The, the, the fear complex, of, especially last season, we played up in the Emirates and we we dominated mm. that game and lost 2 0. So, the, I think the fear complex set in. But in, in, by doing that, it allowed Liverpool back into the game. But as I say, once, yeah. we got that, once getting that goal when we did to, to put us 2 1 up changed the game completely for me. Yeah, and I. And I... And for all their dominance for that period, I think they basically didn't create hardly anything, really. Um, we did quite, you know, we were sort of managing the game fairly well. But um, they just, I do think that, and it's like Steve said, I mean, Thiago, as I mentioned, he played really, really well. He dominated that first half. He was dropping deep and kept launching precision passes, he's saying. Mm. And now that's right. I mean, he's obviously there's not much many better passes in the world football than, than Thiago when he's uh, on song. And I do think that we um when a team starts to real really start to dominate the ball possession, because I think for that period of time we were uh, only had I think it was sixty forty in terms of or sixty five thirty five for a period of time. And it's only natural to, for a team to start dropping a bit deeper and deeper in during those periods of time. But I think similar to the, the Spurs game again, Quinjan, I mean, when after that period, just before we scored, leading up to half-time, I think for the for about five minutes or so, we started to get a real foothold back in the game again and started to create a bit more opportunities ourselves. And like, like Ryan said, I mean, what a better time to score. I mean, seriously. <laughs> I, I was genuinely thinking, and the, all the commentators were saying in the UK, saying, oh, Arsenal need to get in at half time now to re- reset and and because they they're a bit worried and blah blah blah. But yeah, I mean, we just go and score a goal like that. I mean, talk us through that goal and talk us how you were feeling towards that period going into half time. So the funny thing was, I think just like the commentators, even I was like, okay, it's been one one. We're gonna go back. We're gonna like maybe um, restructure and how, and how to go about with it. And next thing you know, we we scored the goal on the run of play. Um, I'm not kidding. Each and every goal, I did not celebrate. Not a single goal did I celebrate until the VAR came and said, we're good. Now we can, you know. It was it was so nerve-wracking. Like when, when Gabriel Martinelli scored the first one, I was like, shit, it must be offside. Damn it, it must be offside. 
But it wasn't given offside. You celebrate. Saka's goal. I think, um, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, at one point I thought maybe Martinelli was offside. Again, not offside. You celebrate it. Going into uh, halftime, well, you mentioned this earlier on about having four centre-backs, uh, I mean, logically speaking. <clears throat> this is where, we're not going to mention who, but I'll give you a hint. They have a stadium that looks like a toilet bowl. All right. <laughs> this is where there's a huge difference between their style of football and ours. We were going up against one of the best teams in the league. We did not change our method of playing. We did not become, you know, soft and and and, and reverted to a back five and and you know um, decided that we will play a you know like from counterattacking football. Yes, the wing backs were not moving uh, ahead. Um, yes, we did tend to play the balls to Saka or Martinelli or to Odegaard. Um, we did have our channels. And this is what you saw. This is the result of the second goal because Liverpool played a high line. We had electrifying pace uh, with Martinelli and Saka and uh, even Gabriel Jesus. And you could see that they had a plan. They knew how to get Liverpool. They knew where the, the chinks and the armour were. And to be fair, they did the same thing. When you look at Firmino's goal, he did the exact same thing. He knew where the chink in the armor was. They played it off the run of play. They found the channel, and his finishing was sublime. I mean, we have to give it to him. But you said something so correctly. I think everyone um, was like, it's one all, a go back, the regroup. And it does uh, dampen the psychology when you're going uh, a goal down at halftime. If it was one all, I think the Liverpool team would have felt more secure about uh, their position because they'll be like, like if I'm Jurgen Klopp, this is what I'd be telling my team. I'm like, listen, these guys want the second goal. Catch them off the break, you know. Find that space when they're trying to score. Ping it. They'll play a high line. I mean, exactly what happened to Firmino. Uh, but that would have changed the script because Firmino's goal would have put them 2-1 up and we would be playing catch-up against a very solid Liverpool team. Um, off form or not, they have some phenomenal players over there. Uh, and this is the change we're seeing in the team. This is what you're witnessing in front of your eyes in literally a matter of a couple of months where this team is, is brave. This team does not give a damn if it's title contenders, Top four contenders, they're just playing some beautiful football. They're fearless. When you, you said it so correctly earlier on that Martinelli doesn't give a hoot who's at the back. You could bring Prime Maldini and, and Martinelli would be like, and? Uh, this <laughs> is something This is something where you're like, I mean, we shouldn't say this, but it does have a certain similarity. We shouldn't say this. But to the Invincibles, because when the Invincibles were playing the football that they were playing, it was the same principle. We had a Colo Toure playing in centre-back and everyone raised their eyebrows like, who is he? But he didn't give a shit. You throw any striker, you bring on a Wayne Rooney, you bring on a Cristiano Ronaldo, I got him. And the same thing with these guys. And, the, and we, again, I cannot emphasize on the camaraderie. It makes a difference. Uh, when we when we saw William Saliba score an own goal against Leicester, each and every 
human being that represented Arsenal in that stadium cheered him up by saying, don't worry, you got this, buddy. Fulham, uh, Gabriel's uh, error leading up to Mitrovic's goal. The first person who went up to him was Ramsdale to say, chin up, we got this. When you have that kind of confidence, when you have that kind of support, when you have that kind of, again, the word I'll use over and over again, camaraderie, you just want to work harder. You, But if you have someone, I don't know, pulling out his toupee um, uh, and, and then going into press conferences about, uh, but I don't have this and we need to get that. Uh, I think every player feels a certain sense of, am I genuinely required in this team? And mm-hmm. each... And, and, and above and beyond, and this is something that's really irked me, and that's why I'm going to bring this up, and hopefully it's one of your topics, but when you see that kind of love, that passion, and that kind of willingness to be there for your manager, it just makes me feel that you can go on uh, Twitter, you can go on uh, people's shops and speak about how crappy your manager is, who doesn't like big characters, he only likes young kids. I don't know, would I want to call them sour grapes or sour raisins or sour everything? <laughs> because because when you were here, Mr. Big Character, and you weren't performing, it was all about your name, not what's on the badge. And now when everyone else is playing for the badge and you're not there, yeah, clearly he's the problem. Mm. I just I just believe that this is something that is so special, so unique, and so even if we don't win the league, even if we just hit top four, I cannot tell you how emotional this season has been for me as an Arsenal fan. And yeah. credit to everyone, credit to the team, the staff, uh, the manager, the board, who everyone is uh, you know, like shooting down. There's some magic happening there, and and let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy every moment of that magic. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Before I move on, I forgot to talk about another topic of the first half. Before we move on to the second half, and I'm going to stay with you briefly, um, Kunjan, because me and Ryan had a chance to discuss this yesterday. Although I am going to, I will sort of come back to you in a second, Ryan. Yeah. But the the penalty, the penalty yeah. situation, I. In my, this is only my personal opinion. I don't, I don't think it should have been a penalty, um, but I think we were lucky because they are given those sorts of penalties, depending, depending on the handball rule that week because they change it all the time. Obviously, as we all know, we so no one ever really knows what handball is from one week to the next because it just keeps changing the rules. But I think it because he didn't move his hand to the ball. His arm was up, yes, but his arm had to be up because of the action he was making. And the ball hit his chest and and arm, and it was from such a a very small distance as well. I think that's the reason why it wasn't given. Um, So, But I I wouldn't have been surprised at the same time. My heart was in my mouth because I thought it was going to be given. So in one way, I think we were lucky. But in the other side, I think... Justice was done, and I'm not, that's not just because it's Arsenal. Blah, blah, blah. I, if it was, if it had happened to Southampton or anyone else, I would have thought oh, that would have been really harsh. So, yeah. what's, what's your opinion? So, I, 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 I'm one hundred percent with you on what you're saying because 
um, when the penalty uh, call was done against Gabriel, against Gabriel, I, I genuinely thought it wasn't a penalty, but I was like, it's us. Chances are Liverpool will get the penalty. Yeah. When I saw the foul on Jesus and um, uh, Oliver pointed to uh, uh, the penalty spot, I was like, VAR is definitely going to turn this around. And I saw the highlights and I was like, yeah, for sure. It's not a penalty. It was too soft. And there's no way in hell that we're going to get this. And we got the penalty. And then it took me back to an incident that happened a couple of weeks back. And it's a very sour incident. And that was what happened with Odegaard when, when we were playing Manchester United. And he had a very soft touch. Um, I can't remember who it was against. Um, Ericsson. Ericsson, yes, thank you. And um, you see, their players are forgettable. Sorry. Uh, um, it, it was it was on Ericsson, and that led on to Martinelli. Martinelli scored a beautiful goal, and the, and, and, and the goal was ruled out. So these soft fouls, these little, little spots where you're like, yes, I would not have given the Jesus penalty, but I would have also let Martinelli have his goal against Manchester United. So there has to be there has to be a certain bar that is set. Like I don't know, it's a penalty if um, your studs in, you break the guy's leg, and he's rolling around for a good few minutes. Like okay, we get it. It's a penalty um, because the thing is like everyone keeps coming at us, beat Tottenham fans, beat Liverpool fans, where they're like. Oh, the referees are with you, and if that's what the case is, I'm freaking glad they're with us finally. After all these years of the Jaka uh, conspiracy, if a referee now is giving us a penalty, bring it on. We're very happy yeah. to have one. Uh, I, I mean, this is just everyone's going to say, "Oh, you know, just all biased." I still yeah. think that was the penalty. Personally, it's a very soft penalty. Again, mm-hmm. you know, to put it on Twitter, I think it's. I've seen you've seen them overturned. You've seen them not given. But at the end of the day, he swung his leg towards the ball. Uh, well, yeah. sorry, not towards not towards the ball, towards the man. He was nowhere near the ball, and he made contact on the back of his foot. Now, I think if he had made contact on another part of his leg higher up, right. it would have been much much more obvious. But because right. it hit the back of his foot, it looked like he looked less dangerous. Mm. But as me and Ryan were saying yesterday, a kick on the back of your heel is very, very painful. I don't know if you ever played football, Kunjan. And if you I ever represented my country to the under eighteen, so I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. Oh yes, you did say. I do apologise. Yeah. yeah, I remember you yeah. saying. Sorry. <laughs> if you ever got a kick on the back of your heel, it's very painful. Right? It really hurts. And yeah, I'm not saying that you know he it was really dangerous, reckless, all this sort of stuff, but. Anywhere else on the pitch, as um, it was it Ray uh, on the was it no it wasn't Ray who said this on the show yesterday, Ryan? I can't remember. Uh, Greg, oh, sorry, oh, Greg. Greg. Oh yeah, he made a really good point. Anywhere else on the pitch, that's a foul. So just because it's you know it's it's in the the penalty area, it should be a penalty. So I do <laughs> think it's a penalty, but again, not that we were lucky to get it, but I think we're. In, a, in another way, we were lucky that it was given because of the, the way that referees can be against us and the way referees can be for Liverpool. Um, so, 
That's the way I saw that as well. The same just, same just breath, for, very for, similar. For mentioning all this, it's just come to me last last year, home to Paris. Because Saka lost, he lost his calf. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I was thinking of and that. No, and no, nothing was given at the time. No, no. action either. We just got told to get on with it. So as I say, I think I think it's about time we got a bit of rubber, rubber to green. Exactly, and and Kunjan, you made a, a great point. That that yeah. game against Man United, that foul that was given against Erdegaard. I mean, it almost come out of my mind but that's exactly right and if we'd have got that goal which was I think it should have been a goal that yeah. would have completely changed that game completely right. changed it and I do not believe we would have gone on to lose that game if that had been given but that was that was one of brilliant goal as well it was just so infuriating and that wasn't given <laughs> and that was that was so soft as well yeah. and it was brought all the way back to, to cancel yeah. it out so if ever a team needed a bit of a change of luck it's us and so everyone else is putting all these pictures on, you know, all these salty Spurs fans have been putting their screenshots on of the foul that uh, Martinelli <coughs> supposedly, you know, did on um, Trent. And we should really one, just get a V. We should just put a V in front over here, you know, like, well, yeah. let, let's become Varsenal. <laughs> let's endorse VAR. Hardcore. Let's go. I mean, the, the, the comparison between... The Emerson Royale foul on Martinelli, yeah. and then Martinelli's foul on Trent is just utterly garbage. I mean, one of them was completely intentional; uh, he had no intention of going for the ball. The other one, he actually made a cross. He wasn't a tackle; he made yeah. a cross. Yeah. You know, and he—it's it, just ridiculous, mate. Well, honestly, it was, come, it was a coming together of two. Come to Martinelli's incident here. It was a coming together after he crossed the ball in. Trent doesn't complain. Yeah. No Liverpool player complains. The VAR double check to make sure that it wasn't no malicious, nothing malicious in, like, going in the in the aftermath of the cross. They were happy. Exactly. So what do you want? Whereas they say Emerson exactly. Royale, made, Emerson Royale, that was an actual tackle, an actual challenge. Not even, get the, not even to get the ball, just to take the player's leg. It was a cynical, cynical challenge. It was wasn't but even. But I'm sorry, if, if everyone wants to complain about Martinelli, what about Simicas with his elbow on Jesus's face? He knocked yeah. the man out, and yet yeah. he didn't even get a warning. It was, it was, and and you could see Simicas was doing everything possible to be like, I, I hope he's okay. I hope I. You're like, okay, we we get. There's, it. A, we there's get it. a certain camera angle that and shows yes. you that it's it's a definite. Uh, did it on purpose. Yeah. Like, Definitely, yeah. You, know, you, see, you see his arm just go bang like that. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It's like it's quick, exactly. like, so quick. You have to literally be watching, watching it. But you literally see the up the elbow, the like, arm tenses up, comes in a bit, goes crack, and put his put his arm straight back down again. Yeah, and uh, also I heard on the remember which podcast it was I was listening to earlier um, about the penalty that we mm. got. The referee clearly heard the contact as well. Yeah. And as Steve F's put in the chat here as well, neither of those decisions <coughs> were clear and obvious errors. So there was no there were they were no reason to overturn them. Although we were all worried, like you said, Kunjan, about them being overturned or not given or the, the penalty being given, blah blah. They weren't ever clear, clear and obvious errors that were made, so that's why he didn't even go to, didn't even go and check, wasn't told to go and look at the screen. But, but some, I can't remember, I wish I could remember who it was that said it, but someone said on this podcast that the referee was that close to that challenge. He heard the challenge, 
straight away, the, the foot coming against the foot, and which makes it a blatant foul. And yeah. it's in, it happened to be in the penalty area, so what else can you do? Yeah. But so for once we got the right right call that went for us, which was good. And I just mentioned a couple of the other uh, comments we've got in the the box as well so far. We've had one from Kenya. I don't know if is this the guy you mentioned last week, Kunjan. Uh, no, that was that was Rollis. I didn't see that. Yes, that's the yeah. company. That's the company that I work with over here. So I think the Fantastic. admin has been very kind to. Uh, 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 comment and, and I think the team may be watching. So hello everyone, for, uh, good to have you guys watching uh, the show. No, that's fantastic. Yeah, and uh, thank you very much for watching. And I've been told by Claire saying my screen was frozen. I don't know whether you guys noticed this earlier on or whether I still am. Am I still now? You're frozen. frozen. Still... Now you're <laughs> really. Yes. <laughs> oh, I don't believe you. Um. And what else was it that Steve said on here? Yeah, he said, credit to Arteta. He always seems to have a plan, even going back to our FA Cup run, which is very true. He said he, he outdid Klopp, who had, a, who had then to sub off Salah. He was completely marked out of the game. Yeah. And said, uh, also he said, two right, they are all playing for each other. You can see the team mindset from them in every game, how they support each other. Um, exactly right. So thanks for all those comments, Steve, as well. Um, <laughs> and Steve F's put no. You are very, very slow, Andrew. I know, I know that. But am I frozen on the screen? Please. <laughs> <That's laughs> I know, I know. But it's yeah. I can't say nothing. It's true, isn't it? Um, but no, we're on to the second half, and Steve's basically jumped the the gun on one of them, which we need to talk about. Um, we'll come to that shortly, but. The start of the second half, I think we really started to, you know, sh I mean, the halftime team talk must have been, you know, some show. I, I just, I so wish that there was another documentary being filmed this season. I mean, God, talk about how good that would be. <laughs> I know, uh, I know. But in a way, it may have helped us, helped us be like we are this year, yeah. if you think about it that way. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I think we came out of the blocks. I think we started the game, the second half, very, very well. Um, and their goal came in properly against the run of play. And when you watch it back, especially, and I think I noticed it obviously during the game as well, when I was watching it live, they didn't deserve that at, at that point. But they are a very, very good side, and their goal was a very good goal. At the end of the day, there's not a lot we could do about it, um, as far as I was concerned. I mean, yeah, just talk us through how you felt then, Ryan. Did you think the writing was on the wall? Were you really confident that we were going to carry on in the same mindset? Because we don't win this game last season. Like I said yesterday, I believe, on your show, we don't win this game last season. It just won't, wouldn't have happened. But we are a different beast this year and we've got a different, different mentality. So when that goal went in against the run of play, how, how are you feeling? I'll be honest, I was just frustrated in terms of when the got, got ball hits in there. It's like it's 2 2. Like you, and it, as you say, this time it was against the total run of play. They had nothing, they had nothing up to that point. It's a, it was a mistake from Sunday, but he misread, the, he misread the, where the pass was going to go. He tried to second guess it and it backfired. And Gabriel, for once, was trying to track in to cover him and all that. But it was, it was frustration that. 
allow them back in again. When, and it wouldn't mind. It was it two three minutes before that. Other guy had a golden opportunity to put it through. Yeah, yeah. But he hits it straight yeah. to goalkeeper instead of putting it either side or potting off Saka to have a shot. It was straight down the net goalkeeper's throat. And I was just like, yeah, very un Erdegaard like strike of the ball. Yeah. That was. And yeah, and as you say, two, three minutes later, they equalised. You're just thinking, oh, it's really one of them days, isn't it? In terms, of, not in terms of us losing, just in terms of us drawing, obviously, a game that we should win. But as you say, years gone by. But if this had been last year, I'd have been fearful that we'd go on to lose or that it'd definitely be a 2 2 draw at best. The fact of how the team has been playing this season from match day one at Palace, the Leicester, it, Leicester City, Fulham, Villa, even may not, even though we did lose that game, the way this team has all in every game, no matter what's been thrown at them, they've always found a way of bouncing back in the moment. They've not done, I mentioned this last night, I mentioned it before as well, they're not getting stuff thrown at them. They're not, they're not putting their, their heads aren't dropping, they're not they're licking their wounds for five, ten minutes while the game's passing by and allowing the team to get, and allowing the opposition to just grow and grow more confidence. And if someone gets thrown at them, they're going, okay, we'll dust ourselves down quickly. Got to, 30 seconds, dust ourselves down, and we go again. And they did. And, they, mm-hmm. and to credit to them, they did it, it. The biggest, for me, the biggest test was Sunday. That's our biggest game of the season. Because mm. even though they are out of form, this, this Liverpool side this season, it's still a Liverpool side that went, as you mentioned last night, they've played every single game possible they could have done last year. Right. They more games. They almost won all four trophies, barring a, two games uh, short of two, two games short of winning. Yeah, but they're all four trophies. They were literally ten minutes away, five ten minutes away from winning the treble. They were a goal or two goals away from winning the Champions League because they were in the quadruple. They turned up in the Champions League final as well. It, it was fine margins. In the end, they won a double, but but they played every single game, period. So, even though they are out of form at the moment, they are missing Mane as well, along, alongside all that, it's still, a, this is still a Liverpool side for the last five, six years has been in the top two and pushing City all the way for the title. Yeah. One way or the other. Either, they've either walked the title when they won it or they've missed that by a point or two. Incoming second, well, it's also a, t- a team we've only beaten twice in 15 attempts as well. Yeah, exactly, under so, clock, home and away. Our record against Liverpool, home and away in the league, hasn't been fantastic under clock by, by no means. That was going back from when Wenger was in charge. Yeah. We drew under Unai M, we drew 2 2 at the end. That's um, we, and you, you could say that game could have, we should have won that, but we just let ourselves down on the defensive attributes. Shock. But for for us to for us to do what we did on Sunday, go get, get pegged up, pegged back twice, and still go. You know what? We're not going to let this get to us. I know we know it's Liverpool, but this time we're going to we're going to go again. And they went again, and they kept going, and they kept going. They they threw everything up to that penalty, even afterwards. But, up to getting that penalty, we were throwing everything at him. Uh, Martinelli was having shots. Xhaka was overlapping and trying to get the ball in. Zayzus had been a nuisance. Everything you could ask for, they were doing. Yeah. And you could you could sense a goal was coming from somewhere. And when the penalty yeah, was given, obviously we know what happens. 
and I'm I was so happy that obviously Saka, with everything that was going off, by the way, in that moment, whilst it was good, yeah. the minute the penalty was given and all that, you've Henderson being a threat and well doing what he's allegedly done, and all the other stuff, and then Van Dijk trying to knock the ball out of um, Saka's hands. He switched off, and that's credit to him mentally. He's switching off from all that malarkey going off, and when it came down to it. He held his nerve and put the ball in the back in it and won last the game. Amazing. And what I like even more, especially in the last five or six or five minutes of injury time that we got, we defended as a team. It wasn't yeah. just the defensive players doing their defending work and the play the attacking players waiting to do a counter attack. Everyone fell back and defended as one. And basically, it was like now sort of uh, back to back to the wall job. But if we can counter attack and we will, but at the same time, we're going to soak this up, soak it up if we have to, and make it as straight as possible for them and work. And we work for it. And again, we're not, again, media wise, we're not getting the credit we deserve from that. It's, oh, it's only Liverpool, they're doubtful, da 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 da. Who have we got? Have we, have we genuinely got to go to Man City in the new year, beat them to get some credit for what we're doing this season? And even then, I don't think we'll get credit. No, they'll yeah. say that the players were tired from the World Cup and Arsenal were lucky to have played a very... And that happened. You know, the funny thing was when we lost at the Emirates last season, uh, 2-1, they said that the only reason Arsenal gave Man City a hard time is because the players were tired. And yeah. then I was going to actually mention that. I was like, you know, um, when we got into Europa League this season, everyone is like, oh, it's going to be so difficult for Arsenal because we'll be playing Thursdays and Sundays. And again, Liverpool played Wednesday. We played Thursday. Um, was it? No, Liverpool this, played Liverpool Tuesday. Tuesday. Liverpool played two Tuesday. extra days. Two extra they days rest the weekend. Yes. And yet, they looked tired. We didn't. But <laughs> yeah. yet, no one is going to mention that. No one has spoken about that. Like, you know what? Arsenal no. looked more lively, looked more energetic. Then at Liverpool. I'm really pleased you Western. mentioned that. Yeah. I'm pleased you mentioned it because I, I've never, I haven't heard, I, I was thinking about it earlier. And I haven't yeah. heard anyone mention that at all, that we yeah, had two, two less no, days to prepare. Yeah. So everyone yeah. is talking about the form. Everyone is like, oh, I've still got a, 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 a team that is not on form. Okay, yes, we got a team not on form. But here was a team that was playing two days earlier in an elite competition, and they won. They won. So there was a, there was a sense of confidence. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold scored he scored against Rangers and, well, he scored a couple of snacks thanks to Martinelli as well at the Emirates. So, consistency. He's been scoring uh, <laughs> yeah. across, the, across the week. So. Exactly. A big hello to Colonel as well, who's joined us in the chat. Welcome, mate. It's glad to see you here. Um, I want to talk to you as well, Kunjang, about yeah. the defence as a whole. We've mentioned it, you know, briefly in passing throughout, throughout the show. But as a unit, I think, you know, it, it was a really tough game, but we came through it, I think, with flying colours. Uh, once again, there's a lot of criticism for Gabriel. Um, I think a bit unfairly. I think that on that goal that they scored, he had to make a touch. Yeah. And with that touch... It could have gone anywhere, and it was just one that he's in that moment. He's in this spiral at the moment where everything that in those sorts of situations are just going wrong for him. You know, yeah. they're just. It could have gone anywhere, and it 
it wouldn't have been ended up a goal, but it just fell in the right place for them to, you know, to make it into a scoring role. I just think that, and I mentioned this on Ryan's channel yesterday, that you know, no players are ever going to be perfect. He's still a young player, and he is That's making true. mistakes at the moment. But we need to stick by him. Why are we not sticking by him the same way that we're sticking by everyone else? And please, Ryan mentioned it earlier, but Saliba made a mistake yesterday as well. No one mentioned any mistakes that he makes because, and quite rightly so, I don't want them to. I'm not calling for him to make... But he's making mistakes as well. But he's, he's fully supported, whereas Gabriel is getting the short end of the straw at the moment. And I just wish that we could back him and yeah. encourage him in the same way that we encourage all of our other players at the moment. It just seems to be the man of the month to get to, to be moaning at at the moment. And mm-hmm. against a team like Liverpool, you know, and let's face it, sorry, Virgil van Dijk's making mistakes left, right and centre, but he's still right. seems to be one of the best defenders in the world. I still think he's a, the right option to play get up against, you know, alongside Saliba at the moment. I've said it over the last couple of weeks. If it carries on and on and on, then obviously we need to have a look at it again. Clearly, but we need we don't we need to worry because we've got someone excellent to step in, you know, in Tommy Asu if needs be. But let's just give him a chance, let him work through this rough patch that he's having, because. Right. He's not making Mustafi level calamities, is he? He's not making Socrates level calamities. No. He's so making say, I don't little think, mistakes. Right. I, I don't think he's off form. Like that's the that's the best part. I don't think Gabriel's off form. He just has that one mistake in him, that one little error that will be very easily spotted. It, it's like another player that's getting a lot of criticism, and I believe it's it's unwarranted criticism. Is Odegaard. Um, it's Ooh. because when you watch Jesus, you know, there's a flamboyancy about him that, uh, like the assist uh, at the Europa League, when you see that kind of an assist, you're like, wow. Um, Saka gets a brace, even though I was earlier telling you um, off air uh, that I just feel like there's something that just has not clicked yet with Saka. But then he goes and scores two goals. So even if I do have that criticism, I have to shut up because. He scored two goals. Gabriel Martinelli, the more we say, is actually too little about him. And in all this, there is this guy who is, is, is finding the space. He's tracking back. Uh, um, he's, doing, he's doing the right things for the team. Um, I, I know, I, I remember when uh, we were linked with Odegaard, I was so excited because I thought he'd be the perfect successor to Ozil. And he's not just proving that, but he's taking a step up because... Um, I, I forget which German media it was. They they compared Odegaard as the Ozil. Um, he's, he's Ozil, but he tracks back. Um, and 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 when you see what Odegaard is is going through, that everyone speaks of the fact that he did not uh, score the goal uh, against Allison when he had the ball. Yes, it could have been a costly miss, and it, it was such bad timing because we were two one up. He made that miss, but then a few moments, Firmino scores. There are certain players who are going to get picked on. They're going to be picked on and said, he's not doing well. He's not performing well. He needs to be dropped. If we drop Odegaard, the only other alternative is Fabio Vieira. And he's still finding his footing. If we drop Gabriel uh, Magalesh, the only other 
like for like replacement would either be Kieran Tierney or Tommy Asu, as we as you just mentioned earlier on. He's not off form. He's not making the David Luiz type mistakes. When we had a David Luiz and he was making this kind of blunders, we still kept playing him. Sure, we would moan here and there saying he's an idiot, he's making mistakes. But there'd just be this one rabbit he'd pull out of the hat, uh, David Luiz, like he'd ping a ball and would score a goal. You're like, yeah, it's fine. Let him play the next week. I think there's a certain... Same as Gabriel. He seems I was just going to say up. that. I was just going to yeah. say that. I was, like, I was like, I think the problem is flamboyancy in any aspect. Think of whatever it is. But when you're flamboyant, when you're quite out there, like like Saliba is flamboyant, be it his presence, be it the crowd going behind him. He's a young lad. Everyone wants him to sign a new contract. No one wants to get behind his back. There's a certain, there's a certain flamboyancy. There's a certain, uh, I, I don't use the word aura per se, but there's a certain excitement around Saliba. So his mistakes would be, it's fine. It's one-off. Gabriel does tend to have a lot more but we're we're overlooking how solid he was, how composed he was, exactly, how yeah. how resolute he was. Even even with the team, like when the Henderson incident happened, he could have easily lost his head. He could have easily lost his head. He's a he's a he's a he's a hot-headed fellow. He kept it. He was he was upset. He brought in the Liverpool Brazilians. He had a word with them. Got back to play. Saw the bigger picture. That is something that you have to commend him for. I, I personally like Gabriel. I think, yes, I would love to have a left-sided centre-back <clears> maybe <throat> a step up, maybe a step up, or maybe just train a little hard and get those, you know, those little mistakes out of your system. Because then you'd start looking at a chink in the armour. This is what I mentioned to you last week. It's evident right now that this is the target spot. But he's not off form. He's just having a little, a small little mistake that just has to be, just has to be brushed off. Uh, yeah, I, I just think he's going through a bit of a bad time. But there's very few teams in all of history, maybe some, maybe the great AC Milan teams or something like, who had two genuine, genuine world class centre backs. There's always to every Tony Adams. There's always a Martin Keown. <laughs> and he is our Martin Keown. He's sure. hot-headed. He's full of emotion. He's he's all over his uh, the the strikers like a rash. He's he's always there, bang, bang, bang. Like, but Saliba's like you know just a smooth, not to, not so much a Tony Adams like. But Tony Adams is a lot more reserved. He stood up for himself. Let's not let's not get two bays about it. But he wasn't a Martin Keown. Right. But, the, you know, Virgil van Dijk has got either a Matip or someone else playing alongside him who's not as good as, as him. But I think he's good enough, Gabriel, to be an Arsenal centre-back. Uh, he's just We're just going to ride through this situation with him at the moment, I think. He's, he's Like I said as well, for a centre-back, very young still, 24 years old. So let's just see how he goes. If we need to vote... If it's, like I said, if he needs, if he keeps making mistakes every game, then we need to re re look at it. But at the moment, I just think he's he's absolutely fine, and I, I really love his attitude. I love his fight. I love the fact that whenever he makes a mistake, he never lets his head drop. He carries on playing to high standards, and he always makes up for it somehow. Like he either scores a goal, or obviously with Saka's goal yesterday, 
who was he? I mean, I said to my friend, my uh, my son, who was watching the game with me, I said, look, he's charging through the midfield. You know, it's almost like Tony Adams, like, charging through, uh, Michael Thomas, sorry, uh, charging through the midfield. It was Gabriel and the, the lovely dummy that he made yeah. who that stepped over the ball for, to allow Saka to score. Um, yeah, and he just created that bit of havoc um, in the centre of their defence at that particular point. But yeah, Steve F said our standards are a lot higher now. And that's very true, Steve. But I do think, like I say, you know, he's he's hitting the stat. We're picking on every single mistake he's making, but we're not highlighting anymore the exceptional quality that he shows in the vast, vast majority of all the games. I do mm. think he's good enough, personally. Um, but Mr. Bungle has joined us. Hello, mate. He just bought a 10-piece mini fillet bucket from KFC, so he's, like, buzzing, I'm sure. So, <laughs> nice one, mate. Uh so yeah, let's um, move on to a, for, to a bit more about the just the lead up because I know that, that Ryan um, spoke about it uh, briefly there, mate. With, with regards to the the lead up to that penalty situation, we've already gone through the penalty in depth. We don't need to talk about that in particular uh, in, in uh, any more. But I think that the lead up to that penalty, and I think I was really pleased that Paul Merson touched on it as well was the incessant pressure that led to that penalty being caused. It wasn't just one sort of um, ball in by Xhaka, because we haven't mentioned Xhaka too much yet. But it was about two or three. Like, uh, he sort of kept recycling the ball and putting it back in the box and back in the box. And I think that incessant pressure really brought around that, that sort of, see that penalty situation. And it was just, honestly, it was just so nice to see. And then following that penalty... Just briefly as well, the they only had two other two further shots from distance following that penalty. Liverpool, um, we kept the ball like Mikel Arteta wanted us to. We acted once again like one of the oldest, experienced teams in the Premier League, rather than one of the youngest. I mean, the way that we sort of did that what was it three hundred thousand passes in the opposition half to as a way of defending <laughs> that Mikel Arteta said. After one of his press in one of his press conferences, we actually did that against Liverpool, and it was just brilliant to see. I mean, Ryan, yeah, it was just a bit of pinball in the in their defence uh, for a while. Mm. Arsenal just peppering their their goal in the lead up to that um, that penalty. And like you said, Saka's composure in that situation was someone mm. just literally like a thirty two year old experienced player. I mean, just. Unbelievable the way that he handled that situation, wasn't it? It was, and it, especially when you consider one of the incidents, well, one of the incidences that was kicking off was kicking off. We're, we're hearing now there's, there's more to it, and that's been investigated, etc. Going, but we might touch on that. It might not. I don't know. Um, but you, 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 you're considering that's going off, then you got all the build up to the actual. Your that's been dealt with now. The ref's gone over, talked, spoke to the managers, come back, he said, right, now you're taking the penalty. Then you've got the likes of Van Dyke coming behind and trying to do a fucking McTominay back in April and trying to whack the ball out of your hand. And Martin is like, puts up, puts his, I see the, see the video, put, I might put his arm around Van Dyke and nope, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> just, again, in, again, watching that video, Saka's like, he, he sees the back, like, the corner of his eye, the player's getting near him, so he's like, okay, put the ball in the other end, adjust my body. But in terms of everything, he's he's just switched off. He switches off from it, or he doesn't get in. He doesn't let what's going on get in his head, or 
adds to any more pressure. I mean, imagine again, he's an Arsenal lad as well. He's 20, again, people forget he's still a young lad. He's 20, what, 20, 21? 21. Sorry. 21. This mm. is just only just 21, I know. Just, yeah, just I just turned 21. So you've got you've got that to contend with. You're an Arsenal lad yourself coming through and you're taking the penalty at the end in front of the North, front of the, the, uh, the North Bank. And every, you can see thousands and thousands of Arsenal fans just looking, and can, especially the fact you're in as well. <laughs> literally, just all their hopes that literally are on you. And just to put it away, so coolly as well. Like, his penalties, I know, again, we mentioned it last night. For me, it's like, it's, I mentioned it last night again, he's harnessed that that bad moment in his in his young so far career. That that one moment where he felt the worst in his professional career, that foiled the kickoff of the online idiots and all that. Then you add that to the equation. It seems like he had the right people around him, not just internationally, but on the club level as well. Then the support he was getting from the fans as well. He's harnessed all that and he's turned it into a positive now. And the penalties he's been taking from Stamford Bridge last season onwards, they get the you can see the nerves in him for that Chelsea game. Like the Chelsea game itself, you saw the nerves like because that was the first one he'd taken since the, the summer before. And where was Arsenal fans? I'm thinking, please, 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 please. Obviously, he did score fantastic. We were happy, we we're so proud of him for it because the, the we talk about guts and all that and gumption. The guts he must have had to grab the ball and go, I'm going to be, the, I'm going to take this penalty. He wasn't even the main penalty taker at the time. He is now, obviously, yeah. it seems. Mm. But to grab that ball and go, no, I'm taking it, and then score it. And the penalties are getting technically better every time he takes a penalty now. He's saying, he said it now, after the Liverpool game. Yeah. We practice our penalties now. Every training session, we're practicing day in, day out. Mm. So I'm not around. To take a penalty off, I'm not a bit someone else's, and we're just constantly practicing, practice, practice, and the practice is working out. And Definitely, again, yeah. And again, from an Arsenal fan, that, and, and he's come, like I keep saying it, he's come through the ranks to go what he's gone through in such a short period at the start of his career as well. Yeah. To harness what had gone on and take the, and turn it into the, this positive, you can't help but be you cannot help but be proud of him and what he's no, what absolutely. He's Absolutely, yeah, and it's just overwhelming, really, how good the guy is for such a young age and the mentality that he's got already. And like we said, maybe he's not hitting the, the the absolute top quality heights that he can do at the moment, but everything else that he's offering the team is still still far outweighing uh, anyone else that we could have in his place. Twenty, he's twenty one. Wenger's famously said, as a video goes around, it says you don't hit your pomp until you're around 24. So, it's still got a few years. Give him the time. People need to remember as well, this kid carried his club for the last couple of years, along with Smith Road. It's about time the balance the yeah. balance sheet balanced out the way it has done. He's got that pressure taken off him this season. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's not, he doesn't have to be the main man anymore. And that's making him... Um, it's such a big help for him, you know, and maybe it's not making him stand out quite as much as he used to because he's got other players around him all the time that are just outrageously good as well. But um, I'll just say a quick few of those. Grandma's apple pie, great to see you <laughs> uh, there again. 
come back into the uh, the <laughs> chat, mate. Um, I'm just going to call you Cunning, just in case I make a mistake. Um, nice to see you in the um, in the yeah. chat as well, mate. He, pop, he pops in the mic on every now and then. After this, as I, 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 I call him Cunning because I'm not going to say the other because I know it can be yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I'm not going to get caught out that way. But I just want to quickly go back onto the defence just briefly, Kunjan, and because I, 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 we can't go by without mentioning Ben White as well. Uh, we mentioned Tommy Asso already, but Ben White, I thought, was another unbelievably outstanding game from him. He's getting better and better as a right-back. I mean, he's, you can't really say it. And I, said, I think I said this yesterday, didn't I? Right? You can't really say he's a, a centre-back playing out of position anymore because he's one of the best right-backs in the league. He's just... Mm outrageously good and he's just keep, he seems to be getting better and better with each game because he's he's built up play now as well and it's, it's just getting more quality to it throughout as each as each week um, passes isn't it right so the funny thing was like I think it was last um, season when we were talking about Saliba I'd mentioned to you that um, Saliba can also play right back yeah, and uh, I was like, I was like, maybe um, we will not sign a right back. We will keep Tommy Asu, and then maybe Saliba, uh, who could interchange with yeah. Ben White uh, and Tommy Asu. So I, I actually do believe what must have happened is Saliba came, fit the role like like a glove to OJ. I mean. You know, and I mean, we're moving along swiftly, <laughs> but uh, um, and next thing you know, uh, Arteta was in a dilemma that we have a 50 million pound signing, we cannot bench him, and he's pretty good. It's just that this kid is doing something very different, and you could see that, like, even when Ben White was playing right center back last season, it was a very different dynamic from what Saliba gives us. Because even if you remember the way Ben White would bring the ball forward, he was really good at that. Like he would actually like cover maybe half the pitch with, with the ball before he, he sprung the pass. Um, now the dynamics slightly different. Saliba is way more controlled. He's very, very composed. And he knows what he's doing with the ball. He's still quite young, whatever said and done. Um, and, and again, just like we discussed about Gabriel, that everyone has mistakes. We're going to eventually, let's not hope anything, but we may eventually see a, a mistake in there from Saliba. But one great thing that has come out of this is having um, Ben White uh, on the right. It's changing what football was known to be. Your fullbacks have to be quick. Your centre-backs have to be strong. They don't have to necessarily be fast. Um, everything's changing now. Saliba's really quick. Gabriel's very robust. Um, let's talk about Zinchenko. Zinchenko's quite agile. He comes into the spaces in the middle Ben White tends to go forward, but yet keep that space uh, just in case the counter coming. It's a very intelligent setup. It's something that I know I know a lot of people will look at us and say, this is Man City 2.0. I'm not insulted. Have you seen Man City? Have you seen how many titles they've won in the last few years? I'm okay with that. Um, I, I, I think I heard um, on Bean Sports, um, someone mentioning how Tommy Asu's role uh, against Liverpool was very reminiscent of Cansuelo. That's fine. Cansuelo has been considered to be one of the best fullbacks uh, in the world, if not um, uh, in, 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 in the English Premier League. Um, if Ben White has taken up this new role on the side, 
And again, if you do watch, um, I think I think um, just to digress for a few seconds to bring back to what I'm trying to say, when Arteta signed and he went up to Per Mertesacker, the first thing he asked him was, do you have drones? We need them. And th- the reason why I say that is because if you see the lineup, if you see the way everyone is positioned, it's not your quintessential two centre-backs, two wing-backs going up, bombarding the crosses. Because if you remember, that was what what uh, Tierney's role was last year until even that started drying out. It's not that anymore. The, the, the two uh, full-backs that we have tuck in, thus creating a very compact space within the midfield uh, and the centre-back zone, which is why Partey is able to spray those passes, which is why Xhaka is able to go up front. We have evolved Ben White. We can't say that he's a right back. The only reason why Southgate hasn't taken him to the England squad is because Southgate doesn't have that position. He genuinely cannot. I'm not even heckling Southgate. He genuinely cannot play Ben White in that position because that position does not exist in the England team. Um, and again, very hardworking, very robust, very calm uh, Ben White um, has found the perfect triangles to play, be it Saka. Uh, be it playing with uh, Partey, he's again. It's 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 an exceptional tactical setup that we have got going on, and may it last longer and longer. So take myself off mute. Uh, yeah, no, I, I totally agree, mate. And just uh, Mr. Bungle said uh, asking about the dog and he's <laughs> a the golden retriever poo, but he said he's got a Parsons Jack Russell. I used to live with a Parsons Jack Russell. My ex used to have one, mate. Uh, he was absolutely nuts as well. Uh, same, <laughs> as you, same as what your one was. Um, but yeah, I, I just think... Uh, I don't think he's going to move from being a right-back now. I just think if he he needs to sort of perm, permanently take that spot whenever he's... Uh, Whenever he can. Um, how random. Um, Christine in the private chat. Angela Lansbury has passed away. That's a. Oh. Yeah, it's I don't know. Like was she an Arsenal fan? No, I'm, jo- I'm joking. But, uh, no, he's, that's very sad. It's a, mm. Indeed. Great actress. Uh, watch uh, Murder She Wrote. Yeah, um, moving forward. It was a. Yeah, I just think that if he learns that role more and more and more, he's going to be one of the best right backs there is. Um, he's got the he's got the ability to do that. When you look at the goal we scored against Spurs, um, which was the um, uh, Thomas Partey goal, obviously he was obviously heavily involved with that. Got the assist for that because he was in that position. He's moving so freely down that right hand side, but he's also an excellent defender at the same time. Excellent footballer all round. So yeah, long mate. Uh, not make it continue. But we're going to move on now to, before we finish, to sort of talk about the game on Thursday, because that's going to be a really interesting one now. It's north of the Arctic Circle, this this ground. Yeah. We've spoken about the ground itself, very compact, eight, eight and a half thousand stadium with a plastic pitch. And it's, it's, a, it's a really tough trip. They have won the last 15 European ties at their place, no matter who they've played. And obviously, we know that they've played some decent decent sides there, including well, the obvious one, the 6-1 win they got against Roma last season. If we, we haven't got our wits about us in that those sort of conditions um, on that kind of pitch, then we 
could really suffer. Um, we can't if we go too weak, then we're going to suffer. But if we go too strong, we're going to suffer against Leeds on Sunday. So there's going to be a, have to be a real fine balance here. We, we're not in a situation. We've only played two games. We're not in a situation where we can just throw this game and say it doesn't matter if we don't win. We've still got to win this group and um, lose the two extra games that we would have to play if we came second. Uh, the extra round we have to play in the Europa League. It's really important, especially in this season. We know how congested it's getting already. Um, really important to win this league. It's, it's really tough to know what to do. Um, to put a team out that is capable of winning, uh, Ryan, what would you do? I mean, people like Xhaka, Martinelli and... And Gabrielle at the back, who have played every game this season. Do we can we really risk playing them again? Because if any of them, I think we we need to rest Martinelli and put more than anything. But yeah, so I was about to say in terms of the few you mentioned, I say that the one definitely rest is Martinelli. Having fresh, and I haven't the bench just in case, but. Worst as a worst case scenario, but basically the plan is having having taken, but don't use him. You don't have to get him over there, and um, but even the trip is going to be wearing, isn't it? With okay, really considering we've got a two o'clock kickoff on Sunday, we're not going to get back on until very very well middle of the night, Friday morning, are we? No. So even the trip, do you even take these players uh, before a game on Sunday? I think we take a few. I think we take a couple. We take a couple just up as the as bench warmers, not to start, just to like the likes of. I can't think now. I think Eddie obviously Eddie will start in terms of being the forward line. He's clearly mm. he's, he's our European League striker starting wise. I don't see yeah. why not. He scored last week as well. He just needs to start learning how to take more chances, and that will come with time. And as you say, he's he's game by game. He is showing more. Development is just it's obviously he's a young lad. He's going to take a bit more time. He's just got to bear with him, and these are sort of games you can sort of grin and bear it because he will take a chance. A chance will come and he'll take it. Um, trying to think now. I think we'd have. I think we. I think personally, I won't take Ramsdale at all. Ramsdale, keep him at home because obviously he took a little bit of a knock. We saw him take a bit of a knock and a bit of a, have a bit of a for the first half. I'd keep him at home, put Turner in goal, have Cole as a backup for goalkeeper. Back line wise, I'm trying to think now that I'll put Tinney at left back because he, he barely played on because Tinney barely played yeah. on Sunday. So it's gone. Yeah. I'd play him on Thursday and see how we see how we go with that. And then trying to think the partnership, I'd put holding alongside I, I would play I'd, you'd have to because of, of the situation and what we are, I would put Gabriel and Holding alongside each other, and then if things are going well, hook Gabriel off for the youngsters. If, we t- mm-hmm. if, that's, if things are going well, if we're like two, three nil up with twenty minutes to go, hook Gabriel, Gabriel off and give him twenty minutes off, and basically get one of our youngsters on just to get get some game time and that side of things and, and experience there. Um, I've got Cedric for right back. 
I was just going to say, I'm like, Cedric right back, put Tommy Asso in the left centre-back position, let Gabriel have a rest, because even he played, yeah, even he played last week. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a possibility as well. I just don't want us to go completely naive and, as you say, throw the game. So, yeah, I'll say, yeah, Tommy Asu, yeah, Tommy Asu holding, Cedric at right back. Partnership-wise, I'm trying to think now, midfield pivot, Samuel Kong go alongside. See, I would I'll play, play, I'll play Matt Smith. I will play the doctor. Mm. I play the doctor in there. He's been, a, he's been on the bench so often. Why not give him a run out? Because Xhaka, honestly, if we lose Xhaka in this before the World Cup, it's going to be a nightmare. I mean, I know it's, there's always a risk of him losing Xhaka, but in this game, he, he's played every single minute of every game so far. I, don't, I just yeah, think why fun. not? Why not play someone like Matt Smith or, um, you know, one of the other youngsters? Um, Yaweri, even Yaweri. I mean, he had a small appearance, but they speak a lot about his potential. This would be a good opportunity. Yeah. Well, he played 40-odd games for Doncaster Rovers last season in a tough league, you mm. know, and in a really tough situation. He's not wet behind the ears anymore. I think he's about 20, 22 years old. Yeah. So, he's <coughs> no... You know, he's played in a really, really tough league and within, you know, a tough game in a men's game now for regularly. He's had several loan spells. Mm. So, if he's good enough to go on the bench, then just give him a game. I, I would really play him tomorrow. I mean, not tomorrow. Do you play alongside him, though? Do you put him in Sambi or do you put... Do you risk him? No, play Sambi, definitely. But I'd, instead of Xhaka, I'd play Matt Smith instead of Xhaka. Mm. And then um, Vieira in, again, instead of Erdegaard. Yeah, I'd definitely play Vieira at 100%. And rest Odegaard. Saka, I, know, I think now I'd, I'd rest him put Nelson in. As I said earlier, Nelson, uh, Eddie up top. Well, no, I'd play, I'd play Nelson instead of Martinelli. But on the other side, he could put... Yeah. Uh, uh, what's his name? Brazilian. Marquinhos. 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 That's the one I was going to think. Yeah. 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 That, was, that was a line-up. I'd be happy with that. I'd have full confidence that we we would still get the result in terms of the three points in the bag and zero risk of causing any issues for Sunday ahead. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'm sorry. I'd only, I'd only take two or three senior players to be on the bench. Mm-hmm. Two or three, nothing over the top either. Just the ones that are just so just the ones that have barely have barely played and. But they're part of Premier League eleven and what, or whatever. But they barely play. Just get them there, just as a, a security, just in case. Other than that, everyone else that's starting eleven for Sunday, or usual starting eleven, keep them at home. Exactly, and I'd build where the the dugout is. I'd put, I'd actually build some igloos and let the the three senior players sleep in those during the game as well. <laughs> or. Or give Emerson Royale a call. Maybe he could share his booth with them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, that, I mean, it's. I don't want it to be a walkover. I do want us to have a chance of winning this game or at least getting out of there with a point on Thursday. Because um, it is also, I want to keep saying, so important to win this group. So, yeah, mm. I don't want it to stay. Yeah, whatever happens, that's fine. 
I don't want us to go over there and be, be. It's also not good for the morale and the you know, continuation of the good form if we just go over there and lose. Regardless of whether it's a different team completely, it doesn't matter. It's still an Arsenal football match, and we don't want to lose this winning momentum um, just by making it a walkover for them. But um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm looking forward to it. It's the earlier game as well on Thursday, isn't it? Yeah. So that'd be a, a really interesting one. <coughs> but uh, yeah, uh, just a few more um, comments. Mr. Bungle's dog's nicked two bits of chicken out of his box. That's a nightmare, mate. Um, <laughs> Colonel Ward saying, can I have your dog? No, you're afraid you can't, Colonel. So <laughs> quite, quite attached to it, little fella. Even though before the, before, I went upstairs before the show this evening and there was a t- half a toilet roll that had been ripped to pieces all over my bedroom, like all over my bed, all over the floor, pillows, everything. So that was a bloody nightmare. So when I, right at that moment, if you'd asked me that question, Colonel, I might have given you a different answer. Um, Colonel was also jealous of your man cave, Ryan. Um, so you've even got mood lights in there and everything. Um, <laughs> this whole thing was Mr. Bung was saying Eddie needs to run out, which he definitely does, and also Reese Nelson. Totally agree, mate. I hope he starts. Um we get to be a full game for Reese, actually. It'd be really nice to see. But this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, quality. Excellent. That's nice. There you go. That's funky, you know. Just birthday back in May. Sister got it for me. 3D lighting or whatever it's called. I like, like it. Right, so please give us a like before you leave, everyone. That'd be great if you can. Uh, that includes you two on the screen. And uh, <laughs> 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 um, we'll see you all next Tuesday. Um, and that wasn't a rude thing that I was saying. We genuinely will see you all next Tuesday. Uh, but once again, thanks, Kunjan. Been a one Thank you, pleasure again, my brother. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for having me on. And uh, thank you to everyone in the chat. I've mentioned you all. Thank you all for being there. Thanks all for your brilliant comments. And uh, subscribe if you haven't done so already, of course. Those of you listening on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or something like that, give us a five star rating on there. That'd be brilliant. Thank you. Those of you who didn't know we were on there, go and give us a listen when you're doing your housework or whatever. But until next week, keep supporting the Arsenal. Keep enjoying Up what we're the doing. Arsenal. Up the Arsenal. Up the Arsenal. <laughs> the Arsenal. Yes, of course. Yes. I'll be worried. I wonder what the hell you were saying there. <laughs> I was just about to press end broadcast before I quite <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on that on that bright note, take care everyone and goodbye. Thank you for listening to From Dial Square to Air. Please help us grow by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and following the show on your preferred podcast platform. Please also visit our Facebook page, our Twitch channel and of course our YouTube channel, and whilst you are there, please subscribe and hit the notification button so you don't miss any upcoming shows.
Please also press the like button on the video so we can get recommended by YouTube to other Arsenal fans all around the world. See you soon. Thank you.